Good morning, Rhode Island. It is humid outside and inside here in the studio today here in Kingston. And we've got a good show for you today. Last week, we were supposed to have Mason on, but due to some scheduling conflicts, we were not able to get him in the studio. So anybody who actually listened to my ramble about the Masters and the return of the MLB, thank you for tuning in. And here's your reward. This week, we have Atlantic 10 champion Paul Valter, Mason Brubaker in the studio today. Mason, how we doing? Good. What's up, guys? All right. So we were talking ahead of the show, just kind of discussing some things about the season and so on. But before we get into just like 2022, 2023, whatever, I want to go all the way back to where you started this. Because pole vaulting is a very cool sport to watch. I watch it on the Olympics whenever it comes on. It's very entertaining. But it is something that A, I don't think maybe anybody thinks that they'd be able to do and b i don't feel like a lot of people know how you'd even get into pole vaulting to begin with so just i'm share with me a little bit of just how you got into this niche sport right right so um i was a gymnast for pretty much my whole life i started when i was i don't know five four or five um through eighth grade and i got knee surgery um <clears throat> so i quit gymnastics and I wanted to pick up track. My sister was a pretty good track runner in high school. <clears throat> and um, so, uh, I mean, pole vault was, I don't know, pretty similar to some gymnastics things. And um, it was actually my parents' suggestion for me to pick it up. So I started going to a club, um, practicing a lot, you know, a couple of days a week. And um, I mean, I, I fell in love with it. I love it. So. So when you first made that transition, obviously going from gymnastics, depending on like what events you had done, there's a lot of like upper body strength involved with gymnastics. And then pole vaulting requires an exceptional about, um, amount of core strength, upper body strength. How was that sort of transition like for you? Was it? Did you find it a little bit easier because oh, of yeah. gymnastics? Yeah, I, I picked it up really fast. Um, I'm just going to use an example here. Like our freshman record, um, so you know, most people who end up being pretty good start as freshman in high school, you know. Like, if you pick it up as a junior, like I, I'm not saying you won't be good, but it helps to be doing it for a while. And um, like our freshman record at my high school was 10-6, and um, I broke that at the first meet, and I jumped 12-9 by the end of my freshman year. So like, I don't know, I, f I feel like my background and with the time I've been doing it, like it helped me so much. So then what was it sort of like when you realized that you became really good at it? Obviously, after freshman year, you started to break the records. You started to really excel at it. Was playing it in college like always a goal for you? Or was this just something to do like that you always had fun doing? <laughs> um, so when I was a freshman, it really wasn't. It was just something to do. I didn't think there was going to be a, you know, an end all to it. Um, but the day after the end of sophomore year of high school, I got a letter from URI. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I opened it and it was like the first real offer that I got. Um, well, first real look that I got. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, like this could be something that I could like, you know, get me to college pretty much anywhere. So, um, after that, I really started to take it seriously, like my junior and senior year. Um, granted, junior year was COVID. interesting with COVID, but yeah, um, yeah senior year especially. Um, 
after you or I, did you get like other letters through those time periods from other schools? Oh, like, yeah. did you start like sort of recruiting yourself yeah. out to a lot oh, of schools? Yeah. yeah, I was sending emails all over the place, getting letters and stuff. Yeah. Like, were, were there any? Oh, sorry to cut you off. I mean, were there any schools that were like in that you had like a lot of contention with, like outside of like you or I? You or I was like one of your first offers, but there are a lot of other schools that you were like looking at, being like, oh, I might want to go here, I might want to go there. Yeah, so it, um, it was my dream to go to Penn State. Because both my parents went to Penn State. Um, I love the school. It's decently close to home. You know, it's only like an hour, hour some change away. Um, I didn't quite jump high enough in high school to go there. It, I could probably transfer now, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. But um, I was, <sighs> Lehigh was another one um, that was interested. Purdue was interested. Um, and I was actually really interested in Purdue because my mom's side of the family, everybody except for my mom went to Purdue. It's like it's pretty much like a family tradition on their side, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and uh, so that was that was a good option for me. You know, I was like really looking at it. I was looking at it more seriously than here, honestly. And then um, I looked at their uh, I don't know their their record. And um, they pretty much get the snot kicked out of them by like the entire Big Ten. Really? Yeah. So I was like, mm, maybe that's not the best idea. So then what kind of led to you wanting to come here? Obviously, you or I was like your first look, I guess. So that must have had some sort of mm -hmm. value to it. But I mean, yeah. like as the recruiting process going on, you're talking about some Big Ten schools you were interested in. What made you want to go to the Atlantic Ten? Yeah. Um, I'm going to use Purdue as, as an example here. Um, Purdue, like they're a really good engineering school, which is great, except I'm not an, like an engineering kid. Um, I mean, I'm a fishery science major here, and this is one of the best uh, programs in the country for that. So, I don't know, it just ended up being a pretty good fit. So, I chose here. Fishery science, coming yeah. from somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania, coming yeah. out to do fishery science, what made you want to do that? Uh, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, rural Pennsylvania, you know, closest city was Harrisburg, which is an hour and a half away, you know, I'm pretty far from everything. So, you know, hunting and fishing was a big part of my childhood. And I mean, it still is. So, um, yeah, I mean, make money doing what you love, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. That's why I'm here. Yeah. So then, um, kind of going back to high school a little bit, you were, you touched upon how it was like pretty weird during COVID doing, doing a lot of these events. Right. Um, so then how through COVID through senior year, as school started to like transition back into a little bit of normalcy and as sports started to transition, how did that sort of impact you as you were trying to grow as an athlete? Yeah. Um, well, COVID hit, what, the 13th of March? Is that when it was? Yeah, March 12th or 13th, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it, was, it, was, it was Friday the 13th, I remember that. Um, that was pretty much right before outdoor competition season started for track my junior year. So I didn't get to compete at all, and I couldn't even practice for, oh my gosh, until probably June was when we started to get back into the club. Um... So I missed out an entire season of competition, you know. You, you can't get a higher mark if you don't go to a meet, you know. So, um, I don't know, it was pretty tough to really market yourself 
because you were still stuck at your sophomore year or indoor senior year, um, indoor junior year um, marks, you know, like you didn't have a chance to jump higher. Yeah. Which really sucked. But Did that impact any like the colleges that were looking at you and stuff? It didn't really because they were dealing with their own stuff, you know. Yeah. So then now then once you graduated, you move out of rural Pennsylvania, you come out over to the coast to URI. What was your sort of first impressions of the school in general when you came out here? I mean, obviously you came here a little bit earlier for athletics and stuff, but like what was your overall like first impressions of the school when you officially came to campus? I actually love the size of this school. It's like you know, it's not like a small school. It's not like, you know, five thousand kids, but it's not like Penn State, which is forty. Um like you can get from corner to corner in 20 minutes if you walk fast like it's not huge like you can pretty much be anywhere anytime mm-hmm. um but then again it's not like five buildings yeah which i think is nice so yeah it's a nice it's a nice campus i do i do agree that the nice walk like hour-long walk around campus is pretty enjoyable so then kind of going into the athletic side as well when you first started to do a couple of your meets what was your reactions to like how the coaches were during the meets and just how like the team was like were you accepted quickly onto the squad oh yeah for sure um pretty much all of the i mean the current team along with the um incoming freshmen were all put in like group meet group chat (laughs) and man i made my living on there like i was there all the time you know um I don't know. I, I I was on there a lot. You know, I was <laughs> saying a lot of stuff. You know, looking back, I don't know. But um, yeah, it, it was it, it was really easy to fit in here. Do you credit that the sort of the group me and stuff to allow you to like become more personable with a lot of your teammates? Oh yeah, without a doubt, for sure. Yeah. Were there any like upperclassmen or stuff that you you kind of like clung to a little bit as like a little mentor for you? Because I mean, pole vault again is a pretty niche thing. There's probably only like two or three other guys on the squad that do what you do. Yeah, um, yeah, there are a couple guys that um, I'm pretty good friends with: Devin Donahue, Chris Tav, um, Chris Tabaron. Um Yeah, they're my boys. Yeah. So then, walk me through your first meet with URI. How was that like? What were the nerves like? Just overall, as the new kid on campus, what was competing in something like that like? Yeah, yeah the first meet was in uh, was at BU, Boston University. Um, man, I was so nervous. Oh my gosh, I was like, dude, because I. Um, in preseason, like, you know, September, October, November, I had this, like, groin thing going on. And um, I was like, man, dude, if I don't, like, if I don't show some results here, like, I'm going to get cut. Um, so first meet at um, BU, I was I was off something. Like, it was, it was weird. Um, you know, I was, like, tweaking. It was bad. Um, I ended up PRing by like an inch from my high school PR. I jumped like 15 three, 465, um, which it was like, it was the biggest weight off my chest, you know? Like I was like, man, if I know hate here, but I didn't, so. So then how were you able to like build off of that in meets going forward? You got that first one out of the way, you didn't get cut. Um, and so then as the meets started going, how did you find it, did you find it easier to just get like sort of comfortable with what you were doing? Oh yeah, I mean like honestly after the first one it was 
it was easy after that. Like, you just show up every day, do the work, go to the meet, perform well for the most part. I mean, everyone's going to have a bad day sometimes, but yeah. When you head into these meets, obviously the heights are just like absurd, but do you have like an idea of what height you would need to hit to sort of win the meet? Yeah, so um, pretty much the whole week of 810s, use that as an example, this year, I was like 486, first attempt's gonna win it. Because um, the kid who did end up beating me, um, I think his PR was 487, but you know, he'd only jumped it once. And I was four, I was 480 at this point. Um, and I was like, I think 486 first attempt's gonna win it. Because I don't know if he's gonna clear it, you know. And he ended up clearing it his first, and I cleared it my second. And then we both missed 497. So he ended up winning. Um, but if I would have jumped uh, 46 first attempt, I would have won because the height before that I made on the first attempt and he made on the second. Oh. So it's just, I had never really known like the nuances about that because I when I went to watch you and I was sort of doing that, I was just watching it. I, honest to God, had no clue how the scoring was really done. Like I just knew like, all right, they got the differentiating heights and then each guy's got three attempts and mm -hmm. stuff. But I never understood how that actually worked in order of like in terms of placement. But that's yeah. pretty cool. So I mean, that during that indoor one, you obviously weren't very successful. But the previous year, yeah. Atlantic 10 champion. I had a day of my life that day. Do you, just sort of walk me through that. I mean, like what was the week leading up to it like first? Because obviously you had some success in meets prior. You were feeling a little bit confident, but then like knowing that you may have a chance going into the Atlantic 10 tournament, yeah. what was sort of that week prior like? Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole week prior to that was, it was so tense, you know, like hardly anybody said anything at practice, you know, it was, it was pretty much all business. Um, but I was like, I kept saying to myself, um, everything on first attempts, like I can't have any misses until you know, a high height. And I made every bar through a PR, because my PR prior to A10s was 470, which is like 15.5 and a half or something like that. And um, the, at A10s, um, I think I came in at 420, 35, 50, 65, 80, yeah. So I came in at 420, um, made 420, Moved to 435, made 435, uh, then 450, 465, and 480. I made it all in my first attempts. And um, one other kid from George Mason, who's our biggest rival, also made 480, but he made it on his third. Um, so I ended up winning on attempts. Um, but it was like the whole week of that was like first attempts. like can't mess up at a low height like you can't just waste those jumps when you're going through training like that how much of the onus is on you to prepare yourself physically and mentally but then also your coaches to kind of get in your ear and help you because obviously like you talked about it where it was a trend i think you said his name was the um he's the head coach for the track team and then he d works on jumps but then there's other coaches that work on different events mm -hmm. but so how much of the onus is on you but then also on the coaches at least for pole vault um i mean technique to coach is one thing but like you can't you can't really coach um 
I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to coach the desire to win. Like you either have that or you don't. And if you don't, you got to find it. Because if you don't find it, then you're lost. I mean, um, so I don't know. Mentally, it's all you. Like I mean, your coach can he can you know I guess inspire you or you know try and get you on that track, but it's 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 pretty much all you. That's that's interesting. It's one of those. It's one of the sports where individuality is really your biggest asset because like when you see a lot of the conventional sports like soccer football baseball stuff like that there's like a lot of onus on your own work but it's a team oriented thing at the end of the day and the coach is the one that's really trying to get the team moving but Mm -hmm. when you've got something like track track and field it's really all on you your coach isn't going to be there shouting instructions that is all on you it's you in the bar yeah that's really that's interesting so then I mean you touched upon this while you were talking about the week prior so then you get into the actual tournament itself how many people are you competing against in this event? Yeah, um, at A10s, I believe there were 13 guys this year. Last year, there were only like seven because um, we took some like multis. Like we took Wyatt Lamel and threw him in it because we were like, hey, if he can get sixth place, that's what, three points? You know, like that, that's three team points. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we just threw him in it. Um. Yeah, this year I think there were twelve or thirteen. How come there were during the year you won? How come there were only seven? Uh, you know, some schools just didn't have a fall squad. I think I don't know. Is so? Like, what are your most like common opponents school wise when you go to these events? I mean, you touched out like George Mason is one of the biggest rivals. I saw there was a lot of George Mason just jumpers in general at mm-hmm. this year's A10s. Um, I think what was it might have been Duquesne had a couple, and then Fordham also had a couple. Yeah, I think Fordham had one or two guys. Um, George Mason is really where our like hard competition comes from. Like it's it's us and George Mason. It's the it's the it's the it's the battle for the sky between us two. So um, yeah, I mean when you go around like to invites and stuff. I mean, other schools do have really good jumpers. Like, that UConn kid jumps, like, 540, 542, I think, which is crazy high. That's, like, what, 17.9? Um, but in our conference, yeah, for sure, George Mason is the is, – they're the one to beat. So. So, so then last year, when you did actually end up winning, what was that sort of event like for you? Like, when you were going up against – you said you were going up against the kid from George Mason. Just what was that – going through the motions of that event, like the sights and sounds around you, what were you kind of feeling when you were doing that? You don't hear anything. Like, I mean, you do until you pretty much start your approach. But and at least for me, it's like once you start running, it's everything's quiet. Like, you don't, everything is shut out except for, you know, you, your pole, and the bar. I don't know. But once you land, when I landed, it was loud. So, and so then, um, what about when you're doing sort of the warm up, or not warm ups per se, but like when you get that time frame of like, okay, you have like two minutes to jump or something like that. I remember when I was watching you this year, you took a lot of time to just kind of like get yourself in the zone, get yourself like br- manage your breathing, stuff like that. What is kind of your routine ahead of a pole vault? Like, do you have like a set routine you do do ahead of every single jump? Uh, not like. 
I don't know. It's not really a set routine. Um, I do always say a prayer before every jump, um, every competition jump, not practice. But um, yeah, it's it's more of a mental thing. Like there's no really like set. It's it's what's in your mind. It's not really what your body's doing. So, no, no superstitions is, for you. Not really. No. And so then once once you got out of the zone, you landed. Everything went loud. What was kind of your feeling when you would realize that you had won, like a freshman winning the Atlantic Ten? That's crazy to oh, begin it was, with. It was incredible. Just like I mean, I I hadn't won it yet. Oh. I stayed alive for another height, pretty much is how I saw it at that point. Mm-hmm. But then when we went to for eighty eight, I think, um, and he didn't make it. Well, we 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 both didn't make it, but um, that was when I realized I won. Is that a bit of like an anticlimactic way to win in a way if you both aren't able to make it but then you won because you had made the previous height? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. How do they kind of how do they kind of like announce that? Does like a judge tell you like ahead of the ahead of the podium stuff like do they announce in a loudspeaker? Like how does that work? How do you like know that that happened? Um they usually just give your height. They don't really give like you know, so and so won it on attempts. They just say uh, this is first place, jumped for, you know, 480, 486 or whatever. Second place, 475, you know, stuff like that. They don't really go into it too deep because usually they don't know. Like, the announcer usually doesn't really, I don't know. So then you've got, you won the individual component. Did la- the year when you won, did you or I win the team competition? Yeah. They did as well? Oh, so yeah. Then, yeah, and we then killed it. We won like 199 to one. 40 something was the closest opponent so then what's the feeling kind of like when you won your individual event and then knowing that you contributed to your team's overall individual event what's what's that feeling when that's all said and done i don't know i mean you feel you feel like you're in your spot is how i felt at least um yeah i mean i don't know like it was like i don't know I just felt like accomplished. Like I felt like I deserved to be there. You know, I don't know. And so then, once the indoor, once indoor is over, and then you move into outdoor in the spring. I remember when I talked to um, Hazna, captain of the women's team. She was talking about there's a good deal of difference between indoor and outdoor for her events specifically oh, yeah. as a runner. For sure. But as as a pole vaulter, how what are the key differences like when you're going from indoor to outdoor? Right. Like the races don't change. Like 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 they do for a runner. Um, but you're subject to the same, you know, environmental conditions. Like, wind is like a pole vaulter's nightmare because, I mean, you're running down a runway with a sail, pretty much, um, and your step has to be perfect. I mean, it, it can be, you know, within six inches each way of where it needs to be. But, you know, if you have a tailwind, you got to back up. You have a headwind you got to move in you got a crosswind that really sucks because then you got to fight to get your pull in the box um it's it adds a definitely a difficulty to it have would you say you compete better in indoor than you do outdoor i think i jump more consistently indoor but you get like a hot day and you move up a couple poles, you know, you, you can really jump high outdoors. 
how have you fared when you've played outdoors? Have you PR'd? Do, do you have different PRs when it's indoor versus outdoor? Uh, they count them differently. Um, I just say whichever, like, whichever one's the highest is my PR. Yeah. Because that's the highest that I've jumped, you know? Um, but, like, you pretty much, you can have, like, approach PRs, too. So, like, my five-step PR... My five left was um, for 70, I believe, going into outdoor. Um, my six left was 480, 491, 490, 490, yeah. Um, but then at UMass last weekend, um, I short run five, five lefts, and I jumped 480, so I short run PR. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's different for sure. So then have you ever had any mishaps with pole vaulting? Like, have you ever had, like, a pole snap, or have you ever had anything just sort of screw you up on an approach? Uh, a couple times, yeah. And crazy story. What is it today? Yeah, so Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, Zay Powers broke a pole at practice. Man, it was loud. Um, I've never done that. I'm pretty light, so that doesn't often happen to me. I mean, it never has, but um, the chances of that happening are pretty low. Um, but man, I've had I've had people, you know, walk across the runway as I'm starting my run and stuff like that. I've had you know stuff blow like like a bag in high school, like a, like a plastic bag blew onto the runway and just like I mean, it was flying across the field, and then it hit the like the vault runway and just stopped and was just in the middle. So I had to go, you know, throw it away. But um, yeah, it's the stuff that really annoys you is when like people walk across the runway. But they, they, there's just no like they don't realize that oh someone's about to run with this massive mm-hmm. pole it could 15, spear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. It doesn't cross their mind. Yeah. So then, how do you differentiate what weight pole you're going to use? I know you kind of explained it to me when we were at the Atlantic Tens because you were using. I think at one point you were using two different weights and there were a bunch of different weighted poles there. How do you kind of differentiate what situation is worthy of a certain height or a certain weight? Right. So um, there's different lengths and there's different weight ratings um, or flex ratings, I guess. Um, So, you know, a shorter approach, you're generally going to use a shorter pole. Like when I three-step, I'm on 14-foot poles. And then when I do longer approaches, I'm on 15-foot poles. Um, I'm moving to 15-7 poles here this weekend. But um, depending on your speed, how hard you can hit a plant, um, how well you can move the pole, that, that that's what determines the how much of a weight rating you can push. Um, and obviously the higher the weight rating the stiffer the pole the more throw you get um so which is why i really started getting into like working out um getting stronger uh recently because let's say you gain two pounds but you can go up five pounds in a um in a weight rating on a pole you just gain three pounds of throw you know so that's that much higher that you're going to go Obviously, like, in college, you most of this uh, stuff is, I assume, provided for you. But when you were in high school, did you have to, like, own any of these poles to, like, work on the stuff yourself? Um, 
Well, the club I went to had a whole... They had walls of pools. I mean, he was a dealer for a company. You know, he sold a lot of he sold a lot to a lot of high schools. He sold a couple to my high school. Um, but you could rent from there. So my parents would rent, you know, three or four poles for a season, um, and those are the ones that I would use. And you could swap them out um, if you needed to. But um, yeah. I mean, like, high, it's it's tough in high school, especially when you were, like, progressing, because as you progress, you need a different pole. Like, you need a longer, uh, stiffer pole, you know? Um, so, like, it's tough, because they'd be like, oh, we have this pole that'll be good for you. And you're like, okay. So then you jump on it for three weeks, and then it's too small. You need to go to the next one. And then the pole that they just bought for you, they just paid 700 bucks for is now useless. So then you gotta either get another one or rent one. So, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really put too much on my coaches to provide the pulls that I needed. I just, I, I rented them. Um, so then, how when you're when you're competing in a lot of uh, competing in a lot of these events, and when you've got a lot of your teammates there, how does like the chemistry between you and your teammates sort of impact how you play? Because I remember when I was watching you at this year's A10s, you were playing uh running there was another pole vaulter there who who was it i don't remember uh it was it was either isaiah powers or neil waldhouse i think it was i think it was isaiah and so the two of you were going back and forth because he was he was competing as well and so then how did how does that uh the chemistry between the two of you does that do you ever feed off of each other when you're performing in an event oh yeah totally i mean you give coaching cues to you know, I mean, for pretty much all of his jumps, I was down at the pit, you know, catching his step, watching what he did in the air, and giving him the best coaching cues I thought I could give. Um, it, it definitely, and you know, he does, he does the same for me. Um, and it, it, I don't know, it's, it's nice to be on a team that like everybody cares, you know? It's not so much like high school where, you know, maybe 10 out of the 50 kids in your squad actually cared. Um, everybody cares here, so which is which is really nice. And so then, obviously, you got the fact that it's a, such a successful program that people there's a they they want to continue to improve. They want to continue to be better because they want to like continue to be win. deserving and continue to win, but also be deserving of the spot that they have on the team right. as well. Because right. like you seem you seem to have that quality where it's like I want to deserve to be here. Yeah, I don't want to be. You're not entitled like that. Where it's like I want to have a right to be on this team. Um, that's it's really interesting because it's when I pay attention to track and field, you always see the men's team like there's always they're always competing. It's always top three in meets, different different things like that. No matter what the event is, there's always a lot of success going on. And so then we you talked about this when you played uh, when you were we were talking earlier how you competed in a lot of different events in high school. Would you say you have a pretty good understanding of all the different sort of events that go on? Um. Less than 400 meters, I can do all right. Um, you get anything over an eight, like an, anything longer than an 800, man, I'm lost. <laughs> and like the field, I mean, stuff like shot and disc and javelin. I mean, I threw a little bit of jab in high school, um, but like you know, I never did shot and disc. I mean, I was 140 pounds as a senior in high school. You know, I was way too small for that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, like jumps, you know, long. I, I never did triple. That one doesn't make too much sense to me. But um, long jump, 
I did that one. Um, I did both hurdles. Not saying I liked them, but I did them. Um, and then uh, four by four was it wasn't something I honestly enjoyed, but you know if, if the coaches needed you to run it, it's just you just ran it. It's just what you did. Um, yeah. So yeah, anything under one lap on a track, and then pretty much most of the field events, I could I could be pretty confident that I could pick it up. And you kind of touched upon the um, the shot and disc, the just the different in physicality level for those events. Oh, yeah. Do you guys ever have like group weight sessions between guys from different events? Do you ever see what their sort of oh, regiment yeah. is like? They're in there every time we are. Well, I mean, they're in there more often than we are. But like the throwers, man, they move weight. It's incredible. Like. I mean, they're doing like snatches with like my bench PR, which is it's it's wild. How much of the for your own personal training? How much of the onus is on like weight training and doing um, exercises like that when in like you're trying to like build up the muscle mass, build up your physicality. Obviously, then you've got the form and the the calisthenics to deal with the other stuff. But how much of the onus is on like the weight training to be able to keep your physicality up? Oh, most of it definitely most of it because i mean pole vaults are pretty it's really short i mean you're probably when you start your run to you land in the pits probably five seconds six seconds like i mean there's there's a little bit of endurance that goes into it because you got to do it like 10 times um but i think being stronger is probably at least to me more beneficial than to be to have good endurance. Have you ever had an event where it's really tested your endurance, having to go for like an exuberant amount of tries against like a, a strong competitor? Yeah. Um, one time in high school, it was as well as the summer after uh, senior year. So it, it was in between um, senior year and now. And um, I tied this kid at 15 feet like same amount of jumps <clears throat> I think we jumped 13-6, 14-14-6 on our first attempts and then 15 on our third so that was already six jumps and then we had a tiebreaker where um, you went jump for jump first person to miss lost and so we went down to 14 we both made it went to 14-6, we both made it and then um, 15, he missed, and then I made. So I ended up winning that comp. But um, yeah, I mean, that was like, what, nine, 10 jumps? And it was hot. I mean, it was like 90, it was in DC, like, it was, it was rough. Yeah, that, that must be brutal, going out there, all humid, it's just sticky, yeah, it's it was, just not. It was terrible. Ugh. Well, I mean, at least you, at least you have like, an example of that where you were able to persevere through it and get like a win because i feel like yeah those are good like learning experiences and stuff but like if you have the knowledge that you're able to like push through and like use your endurance to actually get the win that's got to mean so much mm -hmm. more oh yeah for sure i feel like i earned that one yeah absolutely so then kind of now as the seasons begin to progress because we're both we're both sophomores and you've already been successful at the Atlantic 10 championships. You've Rhode Island's won both indoors while you've been here. Do you have like 
certain goals in the in the sport that you want to reach while you're at URI, like certain heights you want to hit. Oh, yeah, I want to jump 17 feet so bad. That'd be so cool. Is there like, it, it, do you feel like that you're slowly getting closer to that, or like how far off would you say? Oh you yeah, are? I mean, I graduated high school at 15.2 is my PR, and now I jump 16.1. So I mean, I I almost PR'd a foot in just over a year. So I mean, I have two and a half more years yet. So I don't know. I I definitely think it's possible. So. And so then beyond that, are there any other? like goals that you have with pole vaulting like is there like like it's probably like olympic trials and yeah. stuff like that i'm not that good that's that's the next level like those are the people that go to ncaa's and it's like no question that they want it you mm -hmm. know like chris nelson Mondo Duplantis, you know, the, those guys are crazy. What's like that sort of level? Are you hitting like 18, 19 feet or? Yeah. Um, so like 580, 590, six meters. I mean, Mondo jumps like 622, which is, it's the world record now. Yeah. But I mean, that's insane. That's like tw what, 20 feet, four inches, something like that. Like over 20 feet is so crazy. Yeah. So then, like, what do you, do you have? Like, once pole vaulting fin runs its course, it finishes. You graduate here with graduate here with a degree, knowing that you competed at such a high level and stuff. Like, is are after you leave college, do you feel like you're gonna still want to be involved with pole vaulting in some way? Yeah, my high school coaches are always asking me about uh, coming back to coach the high school team, and um, I, I'm not sure if I'll do it yet, but. I don't know. It, it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't kill me. You would you would you want to move back move back to Pennsylvania? I would. Yeah, I'd like to move somewhere similar to that. So then, how about just as doing pole vault? It's a niche thing. It's not something a lot of people can relate to. Mm -hmm. It's something that like a lot of people find exceptionally difficult. But there's a lot of reward that comes with that. What ha has there anything from pole vaulting that you've like learned or stuff that pole vaulting has given you that has just sort of like helped you do a lot of other stuff in life? Yeah, um, I'd say for the most part, like just the will to win. Like you just gotta want to win. If if you don't want it, you're not going to. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, you you can carry that anywhere. Like to work, you know, to any anything in life you can carry if if you want to win bad enough you'll you'll find a way to win so and so then with with that mentality having been someone that was in a lot of these freshman shoes not that long ago when you see new freshmen come in just like regardless of event what what do you kind of when you do talk to them when what do you kind of tell them to kind of keep them sort of focused do you try to do that to them yeah a, a little bit um it's, I mean, you can kind of tell the ones that you're like, okay, that, that kid's a stud, like he's gonna, he's gonna be good. And you know, he'll make it, he'll stay. And I'm, I'm sure he'll probably do all right. Um, but it's like, you gotta follow the program. You know, like a lot of kids, you know, don't lift, you know, don't do the workouts, stuff like that. Not a lot of kids, but some. And it, it, it shows in their performance, you know? Like, what the coaches have set up works. Like, it's been proven that it works. 
I mean, look at our look at that banner in Mackle. I mean, there's how many A10 championships there? Like, it's the same model. Like, follow the model. It's gonna work. But I mean, some kids just don't, and it shows. Are there other kids on the squad in varying events that you feel can move on to that like next level? Because you had talked about how like where you don't feel like that you'd be able to hit that like Olympic level or any like major competitive level. Are there some guys on the team like in different events that would be able to hit that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't say any runners, but I don't really know like the marks that, that you would need to get if you were like a thrower or something, because I know we've got some stud throwers, like they, they throw bombs, dude. Like it's it's incredible. Crazy um, watching yeah, people like, throw like, like that. JB is wild in, in weight. I mean, he was hitting like the like the guard at the back of yeah, the sector. Yeah, I, I was. I remember standing there. I was taking some photos, yeah, and he, I, he throws it, and it's like this far in front of. Yeah, it. exactly. I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's different. Um, see, like I don't know what like at Olympic trial Marcus um he'll probably go to NCAAs for sure but um yeah like if I, I just don't know what their marks are like if I did I would give have you an answer for you but I don't and so then you kind of talked about just your own progression how you've kind of jumped you had PR'd over a foot over like a year and a half or so and that you're hoping to continue that over the next like two and a half years um you, we talked about earlier the individual onus on like improving and stuff but then do you credit do you credit a good amount to your your coaches to oh, helping yeah. you get in that right mindset oh for sure yeah um like i said earlier like trent is he's incredible at coaching you to be a better athlete like i mean i was decently athletic in high school like i played a lot of sports you know i played football i played i did track you know i did all that kind of stuff um but he is really good at making you a better athlete than you are. That's re that's really cool. I mean, when I was watching you, I could hear what he was saying. You could hear the encouragement, just the insight giving you on like just different ways of like placement and trying to like get you focused on the next thing. And it's 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 interesting to see how a coach like runs like that because when you've got again team sports, it's usually a message to the entire team, just kind of like team-wide motivation mm -hmm. but when you've got a sport or a group of sports like track and field there's so much more individuality to it that you have to like almost cater your message to that person yeah and it's it's interesting to sort of see how all of that really works and how that impacts different athletes because i know a lot of athletes sometimes don't respond well to individual criticism or individual yeah. stuff like that but that's i feel like the lesson that you have to learn when you're competing in an event like that. So is that something is like in, in off of that topic as well, is that something that you kind of understood already, like having done gymnastics when you were younger and then moving into track and field, did you kind of already feel comfortable with the individual aspect of the sport? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of movements are the same. Um, I mean, pole vault is like, it's like if you took a cut, like, three or four gymnastic events and threw them all into one you know it's like say a culmination of a bunch of different stuff that i kind of had done already it was just connecting all those pieces together that was the part of the, that i needed to figure out and um i mean luckily i did it pretty early but yeah um 
Yeah, I mean, like, I'll just say I'm very glad that uh, I had the like, childhood that I did, doing the sports that I did, for sure. And so then um, you had played football, team-oriented, under-one coach sort of deal, but then when you play, when you go to college, you do track and field, you're still on a team, mm-hmm. but then, but you're on your own in your event. Right. You're on. How is that dynamic different? Because you you know you're still a part of the community. Right. You know you're still a part of the team, but it's not it's not as if like your teammates have your back on the field of play yeah. necessarily. It's still all on you. Or they you. don't. Which, or they which, do. Which, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't know. I I love that about track. Like it's there's no one to blame but yourself. Really. I mean, for a team championship you know some kids you know if, if they didn't perform well you might you might lose but everybody has a bad day but um like in football at least for me it was so just like it didn't really matter how good of a job you did there were 10 other guys and if they didn't do a good enough job you were still gonna lose like you could be a star player and it wouldn't matter if your 10 other guys weren't good you know which is what I love about track because it's, I don't know, for me, it's it's me and the bar. Like, just make it over the bar. That's, yeah. That's really, that's really interesting. It's, it's cool to see that dynamic of where, like, you know that it's all on you, but then you know that you still have your teammates who are there cheering you on. But, like, again, you're the one that's pl- running the event. It's it's your competition against basically yourself. Like you've got the guy you're going against, but you're also going up against your own mind as right. well. You got to make sure that you're keeping yourself in check to be able to be successful. Mm-hmm. So to kind of see that dynamic, I feel like that's a lot of things a lot of athletes aren't really able to see because you're conditioned to know that you always got someone that's behind you. You've always got someone that's like with you, and it's not always just your own downfall or like your own thing. You've always got guys with you, but like when you've got that sort of individuality it adds a whole new layer of competition because you have like that extra factor it's like all right this is me this is me this is me i've got to be able to do this for me first and then for the team that's really cool i mean so when when is your next meet tomorrow tomorrow yep where is it gonna be uh yukon at yukon yeah is it just against yukon or there gonna be other schools Uh, other schools it's a it's an invite yeah how does that sort of just like in invite sort of thing work is it just a lot of schools from around the northeast bunch of schools come yeah I mean, there would probably be, I mean, UMass last weekend, I don't know how many teams were there, probably six or seven. And I mean, they brought their whole squad, you know, 40 guys, 50 guys. Um, And then girls too, like it was, it was, they're usually pretty crowded, for sure. Do you ever have like events where it's exclusively A-10 teams outside of like the Atlantic 10 championships? Not really. Um, because the A-10 is pretty big, you know, I mean, we've got St. Louis, which is like way out in Missouri. Um, and then we've got George Mason, which is in Virginia, VCU, you know, like we're pretty spread out. It's, it's, it's hard to have more than one like conference meet. What would you say was your favorite meet to travel to? (sighs) Boy. I think indoor A-10s last year was probably the most fun thing to travel to. Where was that? Uh, George Mason. George Mason? Yeah. It wasn't super far. You know, it was like, what, seven hours? But, um, yeah, it, I mean, it was a really fun bus ride. We had a lot of fun on the bus. Especially especially coming back. That must have been, oh, that must yeah. have been a ruckus. Yeah. yeah, coming back was crazy. Well, we, 
we drove through the night on on the way back, I think. Hmm, really? After the meet in the evening, we just hopped on the bus and left. Started on the way back. That must have, that must have been amazing, just sitting, sitting on the bus, knowing that you guys just won the oh, Atlantic yeah. 10, leaving with the chip. That yeah. must have been amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. But, all right, well, I know you got to get to class soon. But Mason, thank you for joining me today. No problem. It was very interesting hearing about pole vaulting and just the Atlantic 10 competitions and stuff because it's just so cool to really hear about the unconventional side of sports sometimes because a lot of people I feel like would find this super interesting right. to learn about a sport like this because it's a sport you see in the Olympics. People are like, oh, this is just really cool. But then it kind of flips out of people's brains but when you see it in college see it firsthand and anybody listening i would highly recommend you go to your local high school local college and watch an indoor or outdoor track meet and just pay attention to the jumps in general so interesting to watch and it's just the amount of physicality required to do it it's just incredible so i implore upon anybody to go and take a take a watch of that but again mason thank you for joining us and then we will be back next friday with a new guest as the shows begin to wind down ahead of summer break so i'll see you in the next one